All right, everybody, Scoots here. And, uh, you know, this is one of these tales uh, that haven't told, you know, tales, untold tale, tales never told. And uh, the I guess the subtext, is this subtext? My daughter is learning about subtext in school. And I said, can you explain it to me again? And she 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 turned away and changed the subject. Uh, I don't know if it's that subject. Uh, but... Uh, you like, uh, what, why did I ask what was subtext? Oh, I said that when I say tales, untold tales, uh, the subtext in my brain, or it's a subtweet, I think, or something that says there's a reason they're untold. And this all takes place, uh, these are the tales I get to hear when I'm sitting outside. Uh, this time I decided... Uh, to sit on one of the, like, there's a broken carousel outside of a Kmart or what what once was a Kmart. This is when I heard the tale, when it was still a Kmart. One of my great regrets uh, was not going in and having lunch at the K-Cafe or the K-Cafeteria with a K. But I got to listen to the pigeons tell another tale about uh, stuff. This one was called Mumble and Hum. And it was a tale about mumble and hum. And, uh, the, the, oh, oh, also, I guess I got to explain uh, that uh, this will also be a Carol King episode, though through a new method, which I have to further explain, which is, you know, what it was. So, so there I was, because uh, I was telling the pigeons. I said, before you tell, could, I, could, I, could we have this tale be influenced by Carol King? And they said the great songstress and activist and uh, leader, uh, Carol King. And I said one in the same, I mean, one in the same, well, not quite one in the same, one and much more than just the, the same. And that got the pigeon's attention because I said, and I said, what about this? How about this? I tell you the tale of mumble and hum through the, through the spiraling tresses of Carol King, you know, like spiritually, like quite the spiritual tresses of uh, spiraling tresses. And they said, you missed your alliteration there. And I said, I never thought I'd say, wow, I feel understood, but to a pit to anyone, but particularly I never thought I'd say this to a pigeon. I thought, you know, I'd only say don't drive the bus or whatever. Sorry. I, I guess I thought I'd work. You know, I, I thought about starting an assertiveness training course, uh, well, I didn't. I just thought of it now. But what if we, like, is that what Don't Let the Pigeon Drive the Bus is teaching us? Assertiveness? You say, I'm sorry, pigeon. I cannot allow you to drive this bus because you're a pigeon. I know you desire to drive the bus. Uh, and I know I always desire to drive the bus. Oh, but, oh, sorry, pigeons. I was explaining Carol King and my connection to Carol King. I also have a connection to Carol Kane, but this is different. This So once upon a time, in an era maybe called the aughts, uh, or maybe it was the tens. I don't know. No, I think it was the tens. Was it the aughts? I'm not sure. Uh, but there was something called an iPod, which is now comes kind of built. Well, now you stream stuff, but it used to be all your songs were were on your all the songs you owned you didn't rent songs back then or pay when you know, generalized a fee to access the songs you had your music it was a different era it was in between it was an era it was a short era actually 
but it was part of an earlier era. So you owned your music in some sense, and you would put it. You could put it on a device called an iPod, and it could hold like thousands of songs. Maybe I don't know. Maybe ten thousand. Maybe one thousand. Maybe twenty, a hundred thousand. I have no idea. And eventually, they went from like hard drives, platter hard drives, uh, to solid state hard drives, which were smaller. Or they were called. I don't know. Is that flash memory? I don't have a lot. My, my memories are gone in a flash. Uh, but so. On the solid, on my hard drive, which was platter hard drive, I had all my songs. Okay, but get that much. And there was an algorithm, like I, I believe now. Some have told me I'm in, I'm incorrect, but I like to shuffle my music because otherwise I overthink it, or I stay in my comfort zone, whatever the comfort zone of that particular day happens to be. And so I would shuffle things, and then. Like uh, what I believe, uh, and I developed a belief system based on this, but I believe it to be true and not just a belief, is that uh, every time you shuffled it or listened to a song outside of the shuffling process, the the iPod algorithm would note it and say, okay, let's just say I didn't have the Starboy didn't exist back then, but it said, well, Scoots has listened to Starboy, whatever, 8,000 times. And he's listening to Sacrifice 4,000 times. Maybe we'll recommend this related track to him. But we'll definitely, if we're going to randomize out of 1,000 songs, we'll definitely play, or whatever, 100 songs we'll play, like Starboy would be more likely to be played than Sacrifice. But both would be highly likely to be played within a randomization of 100 songs. But in this case, it wasn't The weekend. It was Carol King. Somehow, Carol King, uh, in, in her, her power of song and joy and engagement with the world was so powerful, it invaded the algorithm within my iPod. And what's, what's a miracle about stuff like this is that then it invaded the algorithm within my heart that keeps my heart locked up uh, in some sense. And if at some point I became to accept it so that every fifth song would be a Carol King song, even though, and this is nothing about, this is why it's spiritual or beyond my understanding, if, you, if, you, if you're more comfortable with that, was that, uh, like, I wasn't, I never intentionally, like, I in, intentionally chose to keep repeating these weekend songs recently or over the past, whatever, six years, uh, but, uh. I never intentionally chose Carol King. It's like uh, we chose one another through ran- we randomly chose one another, or someone out there said beyond my understanding said if if Carol King's bringing the message, Scoots will eventually get it. And so I became willing to turn the algorithm of my iPod over to Carol King in her powers beyond my understanding. And I've had a lot of adventures since then, ran, hitting randomizing and pressing play. And I've said, well, like a lot of the stories of the show that I've discovered have been through that. And now we move on to a new phase of Carol King has physically invaded. I've let her in even further. And so I have in my lap here, pigeons. Uh, this is what I was saying to the pigeons listeners. Sorry. I have in my lap, what are the, are these 45s? I don't even know. 
they're the record single records. I think those are 45s uh, or they're 33s. I, I'm not kidding. I'm not even joking and trying to be facetious. And I found, uh, like, occasionally I have an opportunity because there's jukeboxes out there, right? And people, like, uh, so there's, like, you can buy random lots uh, every once in a while of jukebox records for low price because the people take out, all, like, the records that say, oh, uh, like, so you're just getting random records. So I just opened a, a pack of random records. Uh, so our story is in the hands of Carol King. The story. So but without further ado, pigeons uh, and you listening, dear listener, you know, once upon a time, uh, there was a mumble and there was a hum, uh, and uh, they played out in the universe, uh, free-floating, a mumble that's like a hum, you can hear that at the same time, the hum coming from my upper palate uh, in the mum, 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 mum. Interesting that the mumble is coming from uh, my chest and my throat, and they work together. And it was this strain moving through the universe. Uh, and believe it or not, it's always there, because you can just do make it and say it at a... And I and I and if you ever know somebody needs post crying, usually about fifteen minutes after somebody cries, uh, this is a good time to introduce them to the back padding version of mumble and hum, or just hum. You could start having them just hum, and you pat their back, uh, and then it becomes a sound uh, that's probably not conducive to sleep podcasting. But you know it, and if you haven't experienced it, I'm not kidding. I highly recommend it. Uh, uh, is that you let them go and you pat, pat their back and it makes a, like a syncopated sound is that might be the way to describe it. And it was one time I, it, like I had forgotten the power of, uh, mumble and hum, uh, when I was patting someone's back, uh, who had just finished crying cause they said like, uh, it, it like they had just said to me. Like, it's my party, and I'll cry if I want to. And they said, you know, you you would have cried, too, if it happened to you. And I said, okay. Like, uh, they had already cried. So they said it was their party. Then they said they'll cry for what they want to. Then they cried. And I, I said, okay, I'm here. I'm here. Go ahead and let it out. Uh, would you prefer to be held, or would you prefer to lie next to me or sit across the room as you cry? Okay, I'm here. Yeah, I'm here. Go ahead. Let it out. It's okay. Let it out. It's just let those, let it flow. And then afterwards, and this was one of those ones where it was a party, and so the contrast of it's a party, and then I'll cry if I want to, and then uh, the crying, and ended up with some of the breath catching afterwards and the sniffling, and then normally, you know, say, hey, what if we do some groaning and back, pad, back padding or humming? humming uh, and uh, they they said, okay, this really, really helps now. Uh, and usually you can laugh uh, with still some tears in between it. And they said, where did you learn this? And I said, well, once upon a time, there was uh, two, two friends. Uh, and we'll just call them Mumble and Hum. And Mumble... 
had uh, planned this really big party for themselves, a uh, really, really big party. And uh, they, they had said uh, that they, were, they invited everyone they knew, everyone in town. And they, they said, well, what was the party for? And Mumble had, uh, Mumble, like, uh, like Mumble meant something different back then. It became Mumble. That's how, this is how Mumble and Hum came into parlance, according to this story. You know, this is more of a, a fable. But Mumble was, most people did, didn't communicate the same way as everyone else. Uh, and they had felt bad about it. Really. Like they said, well, when I say stuff, it comes like it doesn't always like or trails off. And uh, and they like people, a lot of people, they'd say, okay, to say it again. And then they like, this was a world with a lot of active listening, a little bit different than ours. And they'd say, okay, did you say. You know an elephant that wears pants. Okay, that's good. That's good. That's good. Is that what you said? And then Mumble would say, you know, an elephant wears pants. Uh-huh. And they say, okay, interesting. Like, do you re- is that a metaphor or do you really know an elephant that wears pants? And that's just kind of an example of uh, sometimes Mumble, they understood Mumble. Sometimes they didn't. But Mumble was always aware that, uh, like, Mumble was one of those few people that said, talk to him just a second, talk, and, and like that, uh, mumbling. And some people would say, you got to speak clear or think about what you're going to say and then say it or please don't mumble. They would, and Mumble would say, this is just like, uh, I don't know, like, uh, is this, uh, and it wasn't easy, right? Uh, Mumble would mumble, and then mumble, and then mumble was finally one day. Mumble said, "I'm going to stop mumbling from this day forward. I'm going to stop mumbling." And mumble had a friend named Hum uh, that would uh, always be there to soothe mumble and not give mumble advice. It just Hum would say, "Hmm," like as mumble said, "Really tough. No one understands understands me." Like. Uh, I'm speaking for mumble, not in mumbles here. I say really hard. No one understands me. I don't feel like I quite uh, get this thing, you know, communicating like all these other people, judging your insides from your outsides, outsides from your insides, that whole thing. But Hum would always, mm-hmm, uh, yeah, uh-huh, mm-hmm. Mostly just that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, uh, they went back and forth and Mumble said that, uh, like, like Hum would talk sometimes, uh, but mostly Hum would try to guide, uh, but like, uh, one time, the one time Hum said something that said, uh, sometimes I, like I look in the mirror and I say, you're the only one that could, uh, make me feel these strong feelings that I don't necessarily like to feel. And, uh, now what Hum didn't know is that, uh, like, you know, Mumble still had to go on a journey. So, so, so Mumble, Hum was trying to help Mumble. Mumble still had to go on a journey, but it planted that seed. It said, okay, so you're the only one that can hurt me. And maybe Mumble was just a little too young for this information. Like Mumble had to live a little bit more. Hum, Hum was in a place where Hum could just hum and knew 
I'm just here to hum. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And give my experience. Well, that helped me. But hum wasn't a parent, uh, and hum wasn't a, like, so, so maybe there was just a little bit missing, or maybe hum was so hum full of comforting hums that, uh, hum was able to just put that out there and know that at some point mumble would get it. But this wasn't the time, particularly this part of the story that, that mumble would get it because hum left, you know, they couldn't spend all their time together. So Mumble was alone looking in the mirror and didn't decide to call Hum and run things by Hum or talk to someone else. And, you know, Mumble had kind of got tired of asking other authority figures or even other people Mumble's age for help because they said, well, just stop mumbling. Why don't you get, you know, why don't you just do, do like, uh, why don't you, like, William, uh, like, Mumble didn't know there was, like, podcasters that could actually have trouble communicating, and it was okay. Didn't always feel okay, Mumble, but, uh, but so Mumble thought that Mumble would look in the mirror, and instead of sparking that humming comfort at first, it sparked something different, a different strong feeling. A feeling kind of like B-L-A-M-E, blame. And Mumble started to look in the mirror and said, well, this is, you you know, this is me. This is like F-A-U-L-T kind of thing. You're making me feel this way. You got to change. But Mumble did have like one extra piece was like, okay, well, I have always been, you know, like these adults. I don't like how it feels when people don't validate my mumbling and how I communicate or... They don't just sit there. I like it when Hum sits there and just hums and accepts me. And, no, you know, I don't understand this whole change or I'm supposed to communicate differently or, or, you know, pull up my bootstraps or whatever. But I do know this mumble that I'm seeing in the mirror. So mumble said, well, maybe there has to be two mumbles, uh, and Mumble even sang a mumbling song. It reminds me of the song Two Faces Have I, you know, that I, I don't quite remember the lyrics to it at all. But, uh, you know, Mumble sang that song in the mirror and decided, okay, well, and then realized, okay, one of my faces is Mumble's and one of my faces is maybe this more, this face I got from all these adults saying, you know, point finger wagging and saying, pull it together, mumble, stop mumbling, uh, speak in a clear voice, make eye, you know, pull your shoulders back and lift your head up, uh, belly button in, the whole, you know, and, and I'll say, well, that's, I was in a minute, and so, you know, like uh, I said, I, I, got, I got these two faces, have I? And I don't know, this face that has, it was wagging me in the mirror and saying that it's my fault. I don't necessarily think uh, that just makes me sag my shoulders more. And so Mumble got this idea, well, if, I, if maybe I can entice that part of me with a party, uh, like a goal, this grand goal, oh, one day I'll never mumble again. 
and I'll get this together. Just like people said, I'll pull every, you know, I'll take total control of my communication and, you know, no stone will be left unturned until my mumbling is gone. As it was in a minute, but in a, but mumble, mumble, you know, mumble still mumbled a lot, but mumble went out and went and searched the world. Like, uh, first said, okay, where are the best addiction coaches? Who, who, these adults that were dispo- disempowering me went back to them and said, well, who's that? Phone? What's that? And they said, okay, but the ones they were still trying to actively communicate in this world, but uh, still saying, you know, it's, it wasn't easy. Remember, Mumble's just a kid-ish, uh, or at least emotionally. That's why I identify with Mumble so much. But Mumble said, uh, where's the best, you know, who do you recommend if you want to you know, change my talking and stuff? like?" Uh, and they said, well, just, you know, a lot of people didn't have solid solutions. So Mumble would just move on and say, well, maybe you weren't, like, uh, like at least mumble was catching stuff. Okay, well, I'm trying to be empowered. Uh, now, I would say, you know, mumble is taking on a lot of power uh, to 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 change uh, like uh, everything at all costs. And that's but that's the road mumble went down. And mumble kept searching, and then found, and eventually found people that say, "Oh, well, this diction coach is there, and and this diction coach is there." And Mumble started working with them, or Mumble would say, well, I got to get, I got to figure out, well, they said, this is my fee. Well, what can I do? I don't have your fee. We'll come back when you do. Or, oh, you could do this work for my fee. And Mumble was willing to do what it took uh, to, to get to, to pay those fees or to, you know, uh, barter for those fees. Uh, but, uh. Like each thing, you know, it was like these diction exercises or, oh boy, you know, what I don't know, because I wasn't there. Like the, this part of the story, I wasn't there, but it was a lot of uh, repetition and uh, in, in all, all that kind of stuff. And, 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 and Mumble said, I, I don't know how to, you know, but Mumble could start to um, uh, realize that, uh, well, maybe this is different. Like maybe that two faces thing is I had something there in the mirror. And remember what Hum was trying to say? Now, it wasn't what Hum was trying to say. We know that, but Mumble didn't know that. And so Mumble said, okay, maybe I have to um, like become two parts of Mumble, Mumble and not Mumble. And so Mumble would then go into these diction classes and 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 try to not pretend, but compartmentalize. I guess is the best way to describe it, and kind of forget about mumbles or the feeling. Like I guess Mumble wasn't in it. it said, "Okay, well, I got to create this new place and this new part of me that's going to be the." communicator oh boy am i going to communicate clear as clear as the clearest day in the clearest sky like a window without streaks it's just been washed holy cow look out birds because there's a window here maybe i like i can't i ask i have to keep it clean to communicate uh, but 
Um, maybe I could, maybe, maybe I could just tell you not that there's a window here, but it's so clear because of my communication. But what Mumble noticed was that, uh, even that it was really exhausting, like, uh, holding that up and all the work that went into it, uh, it worked. But when Mumble started to get tired or sometimes when Mumble, like, Mumble's focus slipped, uh, or Mumble was a little down or feeling lonely or hungry or upset, uh, the mumbles would come through. And sometimes they came through when it wasn't the perfect time, right? Uh, like, because Mumble had slowly started to build a reputation as a clear window speaker. And, you know, pa-da-poom, pa-da-ping, you know, to the highest bidder comes Mumbles, where it became an ironic name. Uh, I said, tonight, tonight, you know, this uh, super, super, super silver speaker is going to be Mumbles. Uh, and people thought it was a joke almost. But not every time, right? Every, every once in a while, the Mumble would creep in and maybe Mumble would cover it up. Uh, but, you know, Mumble would go back to the mirror after that and say, I can't believe that leaked out those Mumbles. And maybe no, sometimes the only person would notice it was Mumbles. But Mumbles was still not satisfied. And so, like, Mumbles started to travel the world and say, and, and, and it was actually Hum that said, hmm, hmm. Hum and Mumbles hadn't been in touch because Hum said, hmm, like that a couple times. And Mumbles didn't like it, uh, like, during this journey. Hmm, um, hmm. Or, hmm, that's, you know, when I look in the mirror, and, 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 and so Mumbles had kind of said, you know what, Hum? You, you're the one that told me to look in the mirror. And, you, you know, strong, you know, they, they, they parted ways. Uh, their journey had separated. But Mumbles was still on this quest to, to find, uh, like, I got, I got to find a solution here. I got to find, but, and, and I guess it was, uh, Hum that said, like, look outside, hmm, hmm, outside the box, maybe, uh, and but mumbles again it deteriorated after that like hum was trying to say mm, but maybe don't do anything maybe hum, hum sounds tough mm. and uh, so uh, I guess I'm real realizing that the pigeons are resting but I'm not sure this humming and mumbling how it'll play out uh, in the episode, but it'll be fine. I'm here to keep you company, right, and tell you this story about Mumbles. So Mumbles was searching the world, searching so hard because of the H-U-R-T inside. I said, I got to get this hurt dealt with, right? Yeah, we can all recognize that maybe even be, we wish, this part of the story is where you wish you could be like an invisible hum saying, mm, Mumbles, mm. So we could just all hum if we need to or do some sort of talking or imagining, just like we're humming to comfort Mumbles. But Mumbles wasn't in the comforting spot. Mumbles was in the active spot. Uh, eventually, Mumbles heard about this one teacher uh, who said, I don't teach diction. I don't teach pronunciation. I don't teach mumbling. Uh, 
Like I teach, uh, I, I, I teach more than that, uh, but known, you know, to be the greatest communication teacher in the world, you know, not available. I don't take on new students that, you know, but mumbles would not, uh, would not, uh, like, you know, said I'll sit outside of this place, you know, for as long as it takes till I can communicate clearly. But there was something in the eye of that teacher, right, uh, who said, okay, I see you. I see you're hurting. I see what you want. Uh, maybe there's a way I can help. Uh, and the uh, finally the teacher came out and said to Mumbles, like, you really want to learn to clearly communicate. Uh, you're going to have to kind of let go of what you think communication is. Uh, and Mumble said, I'm w- are you willing? And Mumble said, I think so. And like a lot of other teachers that uh, use confusing methods, this teacher was big on that. And it gave, it, it, the teacher gave Mumbles this giant ball of string, gigantic, like two, like a, it was a ball, Like, you know, like a ball of yarn, but like that you would have to scoop your arms to carry it around. Now, it was light. It was was big, but it was light. uh, And it had the string coming out. It was a ball of yarn. I don't know what it was made from, but, you know, it wasn't like as long as it was dry, don't get it wet. You know, then Mumbles had to take a break. uh, But it had a a string, you know, like where the... uh, I don't know how you make a ball of yarn, but usually what it had about, so if you scoop it, picture yourself, I guess, as mumbles, uh, you have this giant ball of string scooped in your arms, but dangling down right about just past your knee, if your arms are scooped in above your hips by about six inches, maybe just a... Six inches below your knee would be the the string from the yarn. And the teacher said, please don't drag that string around. And Mumble said, okay. And then uh, Mumble said, what's next? Uh, And the teacher said, I want you to go north to Alaska. And Mumble said, is that a, a... metaphor or the truth and the teacher shrugged and went back inside and of course you know the mumbles went through this thing of like feeling stuck right it, first mumble said yeah like was still holding the string or the ball of yarn but yelling at the door and calling for the teacher to come out uh getting tired now, the mumbles also, like, uh, did think about it and said, okay, didn't say, the teacher didn't say I had to carry, just said don't drag the string around. But apparently I had to carry the string wherever I go, this ball of yarn wherever I go without dragging the string around. So it's not like mumbles had to carry, you know, carry it 24-7. But that was like, so that was like a part of the story that was like not even too too dull for a sleep podcast. But it was a few days where mumbles would carry the string at first, uh, and yell through the door, and the teacher would say, North to Alaska, please don't drag that string around. Please don't drag the string around, North to Alaska. And Mumbles was frustrated, but finally Mumbles gave in and said, Okay, whatever that means, I'll head north to Alaska. And carry this, try, try not to, please don't drag the string around. 
And, like, Mumbles uh, just started walking, of course, and, you know, went through a journey. And like 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 a lot of great tales uh, that are in this particular genre, there was, uh, it was walkable. It was a walkable world. And it had hills and it had valleys. It had forests and rivers, towns and streams and s- small cities farmland, mountains, and weather that was suitable for the clothes and the you know bag that uh, Mumbles was carrying. And uh, Mumbles would go into town. And now Mumbles also, like if you're carrying a giant ball of string, uh, you, 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 you kind of eventually, you know, you can't put it down to rest, but if you're carrying it, you could kind of move it around, which mumbles it would do. Mumbles would put it on mumbles shoulder or, uh, but then, or then it would shift to the other shoulder and then it would do the scoop or mumbles would try to hold it under mumbles arm, but that was like dangerous because the string would get close to touching the ground. And mumbles knew somehow in their mind that uh, if they if that string touched the ground that was it for the for the lesson that mumbles was supposed to be learning from this great uh, wise uh, teacher of communication but so mumbles would go to these towns carrying this ball of string now the thing of the string was that it was so big that it was like like uh, depending on how you're holding it it could obscure your vision now, Mumbles would eventually, like, if you were holding it in the most comfortable way, you'd, your hands would be against your abdomen, or at least this is Mumbles' opinion, and you'd have it scooped in your arms like you were carrying a bundle of hay because you're basically, that's what you're doing. But then your vision would be obscured in your mouth and your nose and just the bottom part of your eyes. So you could kind of make eye contact with people, but then if you moved it around, you know, it was always, it was always awkward, I guess, and it would be awkward and then people would ask about it and, uh, but everybody had, most people had a knowing glance. They said, what are you carrying? Most said, I I got to get the, I'm carrying the string north to Alaska, uh, this ball of yarn and, uh, yeah. But Mumbles didn't pick up on it right away, but it was like a lot of different. Of course, if you see someone carrying, if if you're if you're a pleasant enough, curious person, and you see someone in a walkable world carrying a giant ball of string, you're if you have an opportunity. I mean, you might not cross. You probably, some of us might cross the street and say, "Hey, Bub, what do you do? Where'd you get that giant ball of string? What are you doing with it?" And, you know, children would say, can we play with it? Or, you know, k- kitty cats uh, would follow Mumbles through town, and then people would follow the kitty cats, uh, that whole thing. I mean, that's a whole nother thing. I mean, kind of dull, though. The cats would just jump at the string, but Mumbles would keep moving. And eventually Mumbles was putting off this vibe for the cats to be like, yeah, you could, you know, but just be careful. Or... Mumbles would put it up somewhere and the cats would do like just where the cat could just hit it and Mumbles would hold it against so it wouldn't roll off. Nothing would touch the ground. And also whatever the yarn was made from, it would never get caught in the cat's claw. So it made, it was adjustable. Again, Mumbles was continuing to adjust carrying the string and having a lot of conversations about it. 
And eventually what happened was uh, Mumbles got, uh, unexpectedly, Mumbles got to a town called Alaska, a really small town. uh, And uh, no idea because Mumbles uh, was just following the road north, uh, signs north. uh, And it was before, you know, Mumbles said, how am I going to get to Alaska? and then, you know, people would say, oh, I'm going to Alaska. They say, don't worry, you'll get there fine. And Mumble said, okay, maybe I will get there fine. It seems really, really, really far away. When I do look out on a map, it's like thousands of miles. Luckily, it just happens to be the right time of year to go that direction. I don't know if I'll ever get there. Mumble ends up in a town named Alaska. Doesn't even know it till Mumble sees the sign. Coming into town, small town, not on any map uh, known or unknown at this time. And Mumbles rolls into town and says, holy cow, what am I supposed to do now? And just like people said, and and some people would say, hey, come on, do this. Also, Mumbles would, uh, eventually Mumbles started, the people with cats, like, uh, would pay Mumbles or Mumbles would do, uh, you know, Mumbles figured out a way to pay the bills uh, without the string ever touching the ground. And uh, eventually, like Mumbles said, hey, I'm, I'm, I, was, I was supposed to come here, actually. Like, and they said, what you, and they said, the great communicator told me to take this ball of string and head north to Alaska. And they said, well, you're in Alaska. You're in the right place. And a lot of people would pat Mumbles on the back. And Mumbles never knew why. And eventually, like, Mumbles found some people, you know, because Mumbles started to get down. He said, well, I can't leave Alaska. Am I just supposed to go, like, Mumbles felt stuck. Should I go back? Uh, should I go north to the state of Alaska? Am I in the wrong place? He kept asking, well, I don't know if I'm supposed to be here. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And... Like, eventually, this, this one woman, Mumbles, was sitting there, and, and uh, she said, okay, tell me tell me everything, like, slowly, you know, over time. Uh, and Mumbles told her, and uh, she said, told her about the stuff with, her, like, she said, okay, tell me about your friend Hum. Hum sounds great. And eventually, Mumbles developed trust to, to, to like, where he kind of let it all spill out, uh, the mumbling the compartmentalizing in the mirror. Now, the mirror was the last piece. She actually had to pull at a different kind of string, you know, to be like, because Mumbles had almost forgotten about it. Now that Mumbles, and plus Mumbles had kind of fallen into this other version of Mumbles' self, uh, like going around town, not doing that much communicating when Mumbles was alone, but then in town, you know, I guess... uh, Something about it, like, uh, Mumbles said, maybe it worked that, uh, just by carrying the string and focusing on carrying the string, I'm able to communicate clearly. And the woman, she wasn't ready to get, she goes, I don't know, tell me more, keep telling me more. Okay, tell me what happened, you know, let's back up, let's go back to that. Uh, and then that stuff with a mirror came out, and she said, Oh, mirror. And she said, have you been up to the the waterfall that overlooks the town? And Mumble said, no, because I don't want to get this ball of string wet. Uh, 
And she said, don't worry. Like, uh, it's uh, like, uh, she goes, it's uh, like, you know, the summertime. So the flow is really low. And she goes, there's a cinch. We got this big art installation up there. It's been up there for, you know, long, 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 long time. I think you should go up there and look at it. And she goes, remember, like, uh, not everything means what we think it means, right? Maybe it means something else, or maybe it means two or three things at once. And Mumble said, okay, okay. And the Mumble said, okay, okay, okay. So Mumbles went up the hill carrying the string uh, to the waterfall outside of the town of Alaska and started to see the shine. Like, you know, said, wow, it's a shiny waterfall. Uh, there's a little stream, very picturesque. Uh, Mo- at this point, Mumbles was in really good shape from carrying this ball of string. And eventually, like, uh, Mumbles realized that uh, just past the waterfall was where the shine was coming from. It was a giant mirror. And the mirror was like, uh, like, so the mirror was like to the right of the waterfall, but on this thing that was like facing. So if you're standing in front of the mirror, looking into the mirror behind you was like uh, to the left would be just the part of the waterfall. And then this vista of the entire valley, the town of Alaska. And in a clear day, like they say, you could almost see forever in this mirror. I mean, you could turn around and do it too. But that, uh, and, and, and then on the top of the mirror, carved in wood, it said, all for myself. And uh, you could also sit on a bench and look up in the mirror. And and uh, first... Uh, Mumbles kind of got to joke, like, oh, if you come up here and you say, all this is for me, all this beauty, all for myself, I got it all to myself, uh, this is what life really is. But then something else creeped up, and Mumbles didn't even realize it at the time, but Mumbles started to relax in a way they never had before. And their arms went down a little bit, and... and uh, the string thing, and something at the same time, Mumble started to relax. This thing creeped in, like uh, all for myself, uh, all for myself, and thought about hum, and just thought about the like everything came together slowly, and the string hit the ground. Right, uh, we'll, you know, we'll just point that part out. Uh, and the mumble said, I've been doing this all for myself, but not myself. Like, for that self, like, you, you know what I mean? Mumble realized that this whole journey about communication had been for myself, but not myself at the same time. And then somebody else was hiking, and they were hiking behind Mumbles, uh, and they saw Mumbles just staring in the mirror, and they said, you must have been a beautiful baby. And then they just kept going. And this was, if that was a musical, it would be numbers in a musical, right? Like Carol King would probably be, like, figuring it out. But uh, Mumbles said, uh, I think I, I was a beautiful baby. And then thought about, oh, every, you know, every baby's beautiful, uh, you know, like... Uh, to, to its mother, you know, hardy, har, har. 
I don't know, something shifted again in Mumbles, and Mumbles started mumbling and saying, huh, remember when I was in a... And thinking about Hum and how Hum was always kind of just there, humming away most of the time. Most of the time, Hum never communicated anything other than that Hum. And what did the Hum do when Mumbles needed it? But it soothed Mumbles. It, it gave Mumbles something. And, you know, if if it was a musical, Mumbles would have sang a song in mumbling at this point, like, why am I so shy? Uh, like, because Mumbles had that moment of, uh, I guess, like, it, in this case, because it's a parable, a, a stark moment of self-realization and acceptance that only a story like this can, and mumble started to mumble and mumble and uh, mumble some more and started to feel better. It was like a half heaven, half heartache uh, at the same time. And mumbles like totally let the string, the ball string roll on the ground and fall out of their arms uh, and, and and headed out, let the string roll, and went in search of uh, hum. And it took a while, but Mumbles suddenly realized, uh, I, I think I have some sort of purpose, and it's to accept my mumbling. Maybe my mumbling isn't a problem, it's my communicating that's the problem. Like, and then Mumble started to make these connections, like uh, all of the, the blocking of the string and, and the inner, you know, the nonverbal communication and all the listening people did on the journey to Mumbles. And again, all of that hum uh, and something beyond self-actualization happened. I don't know if that's the right word where it was like uh, the question that Mumbles was really asking and that really Hum was asking, when will I be loved? Uh, and Mumbles said, that's what you're asking me in the mirror, not why can't I communicate? Uh, when will I be loved by me, by Mumbles? uh it's not about the mumbling at all. It's about that feeling, oh, when will I be loved? Uh, that's what Hum was trying to tell me. And eventually they reconnected, and they would work together, like uh, in, in spreading the word of uh, nonverbal, soothing communication. That didn't ca Unfortunately, this, this is an untold tale. Never caught on. I don't understand it. Uh, they, you know, they tried the mumble and hum method. That was a book they published, uh, and then more mumbling and humming that they self-published, uh, and uh, yet another. Uh, I, I don't know. The titles got longer and longer. Like yet another dose of wisdom from mumble and hum. More mumbles. More hum, uh, how to hum. So that part didn't work out, but what did work out was they stayed dedicated. They knew their purpose then. Oh, I'm here to mumble, and uh, it's not about my mumbling 
Everybody, people mumble, some people don't, but I can mumble with a purpose. And uh, just like Hum did. And then what they said, well, it's because it's not working out, maybe our world's just not ready for it. That was when the power, the cosmic power of those twirling tr- tresses that Carol King came in. And, uh, like, uh, de-actualized, de- de- I guess, uh, said, let's just let you loose in the universe, uh, mumbling, numbing you off, uh, and saying, hey, here it goes, and it's okay, and we're here to help, uh, but if you need to, you could always hum or talk like this, uh, Pat your own back or just do it. It really does feel good and just let it go and let it go. It's going to be okay. I'm here to help. I see you. And when will you be loved? Uh, it's just letting that love in a little bit. So maybe, but just remember that I was telling this also, I was telling the story pigeons They'd, I realized they'd flown off, but it was fine because I was telling it to the horse he was on in a little tiny carousel, a red horse with blue eyes. Uh, and I think that horse got the story by way of Carol King. So thank you, everybody, and um, let me hum, tum, hum, tuck, mumble you in and say good night.